0: The Peter Schiff Show. Well, today may be Black Friday, but it is Black and Blue Friday in the oil patch and in the gold mining sector. Yesterday, OPEC came out and announced that they would not be making any cuts to their production. And we had the biggest decline in oil prices in over five years. West Texas crude down almost 8 bucks, uh, about 770 as i'm looking at the prices right now. Down over 10% on the day. Crude now trading just below $66 per barrel. The weakness in crude oil also helping the dollar snap about a three-day losing streak, particularly weak were some of the uh, energy exporting currencies like the Canadian dollar. The mining sector also getting beaten up on the back of the weakness in the oil price, gold capping off a two- day decline of about thirty bucks on Wednesday, gold was just at 1200 just above 1200. It's now below 1170 around 1166 and change down just over thirty dollars. The majority of that decline happening today during the abbreviated uh, uh, holiday session here in the us, some of those declines though began last night, but they really accelerated uh, based on the weakness in oil and, of course, the corresponding strength in the U.S. dollar that was uh, buffeted by the weakness in oil. Of course, also weighing on gold is the, uh, the the likelihood that the Swiss gold initiative will be voted down over the weekend. The most recent polls, in fact, all the polls this week show the initiative Uh, being defeated. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in this podcast, because I actually think that long-term, defeating the initiative is actually more bullish for gold uh, than passing it. And I'll discuss that in a little bit. But meantime, uh, those fears also weighing on the price of gold, this is the last trading day of the month and i had speculated that maybe we could have an outside month in gold where we took out uh the october lows in november and close above the october highs that's not going to happen although uh, we did close positive on the month gold bullion higher on the month not so for silver silver basically down about a buck today eradicating all of the gains of the month so now silver uh finishing negative on the month gold stocks Uh, besides, uh, you know, being obliterated today. I mean, gold stocks were down significantly. The uh, GDX, which is an index of gold stocks, was down over 8.5% on the day. Uh, Yet despite that collapse, uh, gold stock prices still finished the month of November higher than where they finished the month of October. But as bad as the carnage was in the gold sector, oil stocks, in general, fared much worse. I actually saw a lot of oil stocks down 15 to 20 percent on the day on the day. And remember, though, again, this was a holiday shortened. The New York Stock Exchange closed at one. A lot of the traders were away enjoying a four-day uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend. And so I think that these moves were exacerbated in thin conditions, and probably a lot of stops, that sell orders below the market uh, were hit and run. Uh, during today's session. So I think it's a big overreaction in the market. But nonetheless, uh, as I said, as bad as things were for gold stocks, uh, they were even worse uh, for for energy stocks. But what's really driving the decline in oil prices is not necessarily the fact that OPEC uh, is not cutting production. It really has to do with the weakening global demand That is the result of the global economy slowing down and more and more economies moving towards recession or in recession, which includes the United States. I think the United States economy is far weaker than the general consensus. I went over a litany of negative economic numbers that came out on Wednesday uh, that were conveniently ignored uh, by the pundits and the cheerleaders over the U.S. economy, but I think the, we are headed into recession, too, and that is the reason why you're seeing oil prices collapsing uh, the way they did back in 2009. But another factor that is that is uh, you know exerting more downward pressure on oil is the widespread belief that the Fed is going to be tightening monetary policy, which would even exacerbate the problems in the global economy. And of course, the rising dollar uh, that is resulting from the anticipation of higher interest rates is also forcing oil prices lower. Now, because I believe the Fed is not going to raise interest rates, but actually launch QE4, I think a lot of money a lot more money is going to be printed. I think that the you know the decline in the oil price is going to be short lived for that reason because I think all the money printing that will be required in order to finance QE4 is going to be very positive. For oil and very negative for the dollar, so I think a lot of this is misguided, and that's also what's what's pushing the price of gold down is the anticipation of higher interest rates and a stronger dollar, which are going to be the byproduct of this u s recovery that everybody has so much confidence in, even though uh, it's already fading. Not that it was ever real, but as we get closer and closer to it, we can uh, observe uh, the phony nature of the recovery. And so I think as we get more and more data, uh, you know, later in the year or more, particularly in the first quarter of 2015, I think this story is going to unravel pretty quickly. But what is also unraveling right now is you, you look at all of the inconsistencies uh, among, uh, you know, the, the cheerleaders. Take for example deflation, right? Uh, overnight. We got European inflation year over year, uh, prices up three-tenths of one percent, according to the government. If you take out food and energy, prices were up seven-tenths of one percent, and the main reason that prices are only up 0.3 percent has to do with lower energy prices. And here's a quote from uh, Draghi, uh, head of the ECB quote, we have to be very watchful that low inflation does not percolate throughout the economy. He's worried about the decline in oil prices, that falling gas prices could hurt the European economy. Yet everybody on television is talking about how falling gasoline prices are going to help the U.S. economy. Well, what is it? Do economies benefit from falling prices or do they suffer from falling prices? Should we try to prevent prices from falling or should we embrace the decline? Because basically you can't have it both ways. Falling prices can't be simultaneously good and bad. Falling oil prices can't be bad and good at the same time. It's one or the other. Yet the fact that they're going to embrace both, the same people who are saying, uh, oh, Europe needs to print more money and do QE because inflation is too low. They need to make sure inflation is higher. Because low inflation is bad for the economy, and then saying, well, low oil prices are good for the U.S. economy because it's like a tax cut. Consumers can spend less on oil, which means they have more money to spend on other things. So if they're not putting it into into the gas pump, if they're not spending money on gasoline, they have more money for other things. Well, why isn't that same true in Europe? And in fact, if falling gas prices are good for the economy, why aren't falling food prices good for the economy? Couldn't you make the same argument? If I spend less money eating, I have more money to spend on other things. What about falling health care costs? If it costs me less money to stay healthy, I have more money to spend enjoying my health. What about education costs? If I spend less money on college or on private school, don't I have more money? What about clothing? I mean, you could say that about any price. If the price of anything goes down, you have more money to spend on other things, which is why falling prices are not bad. They're good. Yet here you have the same people making the same argument that they're good and bad at the same time, which shows you it's they're not really trying to be logical in their explanations. They're just trying to mindlessly cheerlead for a particular narrative, right? We want more money printing. And so how do we get more money printing well, we have to pretend that low inflation is bad so that we can combat it by printing money. Yet when we have an event in the United States now, like falling oil prices, instead of saying, oh my God, this is terrible. Um, This is going to percolate throughout the economy. We better be worried about these falling gas prices and, and the fact that the price... No, they're saying this is a good thing. And here's the irony. We actually have a bigger energy industry than Europe. So, you know, you always have to look at both sides of the coin. I will agree that for a lot of people, lower gas prices, lower oil prices are good. But they're bad if you're the producer. If you're selling oil, then lower prices are bad for you. They're good for the consumers. They're bad for the producers. We have more energy producers here than they have in Europe. So in Europe, you, would, you can easily argue that lower gas prices should be a bigger boom for Europe than for the United States, although, you know, Americans on average maybe use more gasoline because we're less energy efficient. We don't have the, the, the public uh, transportation system. So per capita, we probably use more more oil. But we have an entire energy sector. And here is the real uh, inconsistency. Consistency. For years, all I've heard is that, oh, Peter, all your gloom and doom forecasts about the U.S. economy are wrong because of the oil boom. We're going to produce so much oil. We're going to be the Saudi Arabia. We're going to replace Saudi Arabia. Uh, we're going to be a huge oil exporter. We're going to flood the world with exports. Our trade deficit's is going to go away because we're going to be producing so much oil. Well, with oil, at $66 a barrel. The same people now who are saying, oh, this is great. Oil's coming down and it's going to stay down. If that's the case, if oil is going to be at $66 a barrel, say goodbye to your shale boom. There there is no way that we're going to produce and export all the oil that these experts are forecasting if the prices stay down here because we can't afford it. The CapEx is going to go away. The production is going to wither away. And over time, what's going to happen? Assuming that you believe that oil prices are going to stay down here, which I don't. But if you do, because there are many people who were making this argument about, oh, the booming U.S. economy, thanks to oil, oil, are now talking about the booming U.S. economy thanks to a new era of cheap oil prices, you can't have it both ways, right? You can't, it's not heads I win tails you lose Have your cake and eat it too. If you're trying to claim that, hey, we're going to benefit from all this cheap oil, then you can't say at the same time we're going to benefit from an oil boom and massive exploration because none of that's going to happen or massive production and exports, that's not going to happen uh, at $66 oil. It just, it just economically doesn't make sense. In fact, over time, what is going to happen if oil stays at these prices, our trade deficit is actually going to go up, not down. Yes, we will be spending less on the oil that we import, but we will import much more oil because we won't be producing it domestically. Why? Because it will be too expensive to produce it domestically. Instead, we'll import it the same way we import all sorts of other products that are too expensive to produce domestically. So now we're going to add oil. If you believe oil is going to stay at these levels or go lower, then oil is another thing that can't be produced efficiently in the United States because it can be produced much more efficiently in, let's say, Saudi Arabia. And so what are Americans going to do? They're going to buy oil from the guy who can sell it at the lowest price, and that's going to be imported oil. And so our trade deficit is going to get worse. And so if you were counting on an oil boom to save the day and bail us out of these ever uh, growing trade deficits, well, now you're wrong. You can't have it both ways. And in fact, one of the things that has helped the trade deficit is our export of refined products, because we've been exporting uh, refined gasoline, and those exports are going to dwindle if the oil price stays low or goes even lower. So again, you can't have it both ways. You can't claim credit for the oil boom at the same time, claim credit for the big uh, growth in consumption that's going to flow from the tax cut associated with uh, lower oil prices. And in fact, a lot of the hiring, some of the only decent jobs that we've been getting have been a function of the energy industry and if they start laying people off instead of hiring people, you know what about what about that impact there? and what about maybe some of these companies that borrowed a lot of money based on certain assumptions of where production was going to be if they 're not going to have the production or not going to have the price, are they going to be able to pay off those loans? no uh, so there are a lot of problems that you can have from oil prices that are much lower than they were when projects were financed and loans were taken out but what again, what really strikes me is the inconsistencies both where people say that rising prices are good and bad at the same time, falling oil prices are bad for Europe, or they're bad for Japan, but they're good for the United States. Or just saying that falling prices in general are bad, except when it comes to oil prices, and then they're suddenly good. Or again, claiming that, hey, the U.S. economy is in great shape because we're going to have a big oil boom. And oh, well, forget about that. Now we're in great shape because we're going to have a big price cut in oil and we have a big tax cut. Again, it's wishful thinking. They want to spin everything good, but that's why, you know, the Dow Jones finished the week at a new uh a new record high. Uh, you know, S&P, you know, despite uh, a lot of weakness in some of the oil oil names, obviously the oil stocks down, the overall mood uh, on Wall Street is positive, right? As it has as it has been consistently because people do not want to recognize what is going on. Now, let me get uh, to you know the other uh factor weighing on the gold market, and that is the the vote coming up uh tomorrow in switzerland and that that um measure is expected to be defeated, and I don't think that the defeat is going to be negative for gold because I don't think the passage of it was ever really factored in. I mean maybe there was one day where gold gained ten or twenty dollars uh based on a poll that showed that it might pass. But up until then, it wasn't even on anybody's radar, and since then, gold has given up what it gained that day. So I think a no vote is already factored in, and if there is a surprising yes vote, I think that would be positive for the price of gold. But as I said earlier, from a long-term perspective, I think a no vote is more bullish for gold than a yes vote. Now, why would I say that? Because, of course, if Switzerland votes yes, well... Now, the Swiss central bank has to buy all this gold. And isn't the added buying of gold by the Swiss national central bank, isn't that going to be bullish? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to buy gold. They could buy some gold, but it also means they could sell euros. Uh, Because the reason that their gold reserves are now so low is because their euro reserves are so high. So a good portion of the requirement could have been met by selling off euros which, of course, would put more downward pressure on the euro relative to the Swiss franc, which might put more pressure on the Europeans not to do QE, and and maybe put more upward pressure on European inflation, which which might make the European Central Bank more hawkish than it currently is. In fact, I think that by not passing the Swiss initiative, it takes off the table the possibility of a sound Swiss franc. Because this was the only kind of barrier uh, that stood in the way of Switzerland and endless QE. But if the Swiss franc is de facto the euro, then you can't use the Swiss franc as a hedge against the weak euro. And if you can't use the Swiss franc, what are you going to use? You know, let's say 35% of the people vote in favor of this initiative. That means they want the Swiss franc to have backing by gold. Well, if it gets defeated... What are these people going to do? They're still worried about inflation. They're worried about a Swiss franc going losing value. Well, if the Swiss central bank isn't going to buy gold, well, then the Swiss citizens will do it directly. Because if the Swiss franc is going to be that much less reliable, that much less of a store of value, that means that there is more impetus, more reasons for the Swiss citizens to do what their central bank won't, is buy the gold themselves, buy the gold directly. If the government says no, We are not going to stop the presses. We are going to guarantee the destruction of the Swiss franc, along with the destruction of the euro, that if you hold Swiss francs, they will have less value in the future than they have today. The message is clear. The Swiss should buy gold, and they will buy gold. Now, had this uh, initiative been passed, it would have dramatically increased the attractiveness, the appeal of the Swiss franc. People around the world looking for a safe haven might have chosen the Swiss franc. Now they can't do that anymore. Now, for now, some people are buying the dollar because they think the dollar is a safe haven, because they think the U.S. is going to raise rates, that we're ending QE. But when we don't raise rates and instead do QE4 and do more QE, well, where is the safe haven? It's not going to be the Swiss franc, right? Because now the Swiss said, well, we're going to keep printing just like the Europeans. If they had passed this, that would have been monetary discipline. That would have elevated the appeal of the Swiss franc over potentially gold. And it might have even reined in the excess printing in Europe. But instead, right, the last stand has been overcome. And so there's nothing to stop the Bank of Switzerland. There's nothing to stop the ECB. Everybody's going to print, which means more inflation worldwide. And so the less attractive fiat currencies are, the more attractive gold becomes because the real demand for gold is as a store of value and a monetary sense to protect yourself from reckless money printing by the central banks. Well, now, if this initiative goes down, there is nothing to stop the Swiss government from recklessly printing Swiss francs. Had they passed this, then there would have been some kind of barrier to the amount of money printing, and that would have elevated the, the relative appeal of the Swiss franc. To gold, but now you're going to uh, you know, tear that down. So to the extent that voting this initiative down is a vote for more inflation and more money printing, it simply makes direct ownership of gold that much more appealing. And I also think it's going to motivate the, uh, the emerging market central banks uh, to want to buy even more and more gold, knowing that these European currencies are, are not going to have any real backing. And if, they're, if the Swiss franc's is not going to be backed, they want to own more gold themselves. In fact, I read an interesting article. I tweeted about this thing. This is written by the chief economist at Citigroup. And he basically argued that um, the whole initiative makes no sense. Because he says that you know the, the central banks shouldn't even hold any gold. And listen to what this guy said. Um, he says, this is a quote, right? Um, he said that um, like Bitcoin... Gold has no intrinsic value, right? So he's comparing gold to Bitcoin and saying, hey, Switzerland shouldn't be buying gold as, a, as an asset because it's just like Bitcoin, that it has no intrinsic value. What is he talking about? You know, I hate it when these supporters of fiat currency criticize gold on the basis that it lacks intrinsic value. We talk about the pot calling the kettle black. It's paper money. What kind of intrinsic value does this guy think the euro has? I mean, what, what 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 can you do with the euro? Where is the intrinsic value there? Now, he compares gold to Bitcoin because, well, it's just like, a, he said it's like a shiny Bitcoin. No, you can't do anything with Bitcoins. That's my point. You can't do anything with dollars. To say that gold has no intrinsic value. Look, I, I went on the internet and you go to this geology.com, right? Just a geology.com and then check out minerals gold. Here's what geology.com, right? This is not, a gold bug site, right? geology.com, right? They don't really have a dog in the in the hunt, right? They're just writing about gold as a mineral, right? geology.com. This is what they call it, the most useful metal. I'm going to read just the beginning of it. Of all the minerals mined from the earth, none is more useful than gold. Its usefulness is derived from a diversity of special properties. Gold conducts electricity, does not tarnish, is very easy to work can be drawn into wire, can be hammered into thin sheets, alloys with many other metals, can be melted and cast into highly desirable shapes, has a wonderful color and a brilliant luster, right? It's the most desirable, valuable metal on earth. What do you mean it has no intrinsic value? And then it goes over all the uses from the obvious jewelry. Everybody knows that gold is used in jewelry. Why? Why is it used in jewelry? Apart from the fact that it can't be it's easy to shape, uh, into the objects that are that you use for jewelry. And it's beautiful. It has a luster. Uh, people want it. People desire it. But apart from jewelry, right, what are the other uses for gold? Other than its monetary uses, which I'll get into, but it's used in electronics. Gold is in computers. It's in your laptop computer. It's in cell phones. It's in calculators. It's in GPS systems. They use gold for a reason because it works better than other metals. Even though it's more expensive, they need to use it. And, of course, because these products have a high value, a tiny bit of gold uh, doesn't make them uneconomical. Gold is used in dentistry. It's used in in medicine in general. You can look at all the different ways that gold is used in the medical industry. Uh, Also in aerospace, particularly, you know, for space travel, not you know, if you're gonna, if NASA is gonna build a spaceship or any private company is gonna build a spaceship, they're gonna be using a lot of gold in the circuitry. I mean, it's just there, and it's it's used in glass making, it's used obviously in in furniture. I mean, because of gold leaf and gilding, they use they make picture frames, moldings out of it. A lot of a lot of different products uh, use gold uh, in them. So there's, there are all these uses. You can go read about all these uses. Does the, does the chief economist of Citigroup, does he not know about any of these uses? He thinks gold has no use whatsoever? You know, and yet I wonder what the uses are for dollars or euros. What is the intrinsic value of a euro? I mean, what could you do with it? I mean, at least if it's in the physical, right? If it's just the digital, because most of the euros and dollars aren't even in physical form, right? So at least the, the, the actual printed dollars. There is some use there, right? You can burn them for warmth, right? If you're cold, right, you can throw a bunch of dollar bills on the fire price. I suppose if, you're, if you have no other paper, you, you, can, you can wipe your butt with them, right? I mean, you know, they're not that absorbent. I mean, you can't really, I don't know if you can really use them as a paper towel. Um, you can't really use them. You can't write on them because there's already so much writing on them. So you can't use them for notes or stuff like that. But I mean, that would be the intrinsic value. There's no intrinsic value of a digital, right? Your bank, the dollars in your bank account, uh, unless you actually withdraw them, there's nothing you can do with them. But where does he think there's intrinsic value there? There is nothing there. Now you can say, well, you know, you, people will accept dollars, but that doesn't make, they give them intrinsic value, but people will accept gold. But why does so many people want gold in the first place? It's because of the intrinsic value, because of all the other uses. But one of the, one of the things that is so great about gold is it so easy to use as money. You, there are other commodities that are not as easily uh, usable as money. I mean, look, you could take an ounce of gold and you can cut it in half. And both halves are worth the same, right? A half an ounce of gold is worth a half an ounce of gold. So if you take one ounce of gold and cut it in half, both halves are worth the same. And then you can put them back together and you got the same value you started with. You can't do that. You can't, people say, well, let's use cattle as money. All right, well, cut a, cut a, cut a cow in half. Right. What, what are, what are the both sides? What are the both pieces worth? I don't know. You obviously can't put them back together and get the same cow that you started with and then try to store them. I mean, if you, if the central banks wanted to have cattle as, as reserve, I mean, what would it cost? I mean, we're, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't make any sense. I mean, well, you could say, well, what about another metal? Well, you want to store nickel, copper, lead. I mean, how much space would that take? I mean, how much, you know, how much vault capacity? And again, if they don't have a lot of these other properties, that make gold so desirable. But when you, when you have articles like this, when you have this full court press, hey, you know, Swiss, Switzerland, what are you, idiots? Why would you want gold? You want euros, right? Because apparently, because that's all that would happen. They would have fewer euros and more gold. And he's saying, well, don't buy Euro, gold because gold doesn't have any intrinsic value. It's no better than Bitcoin, as if paper has intrinsic value. The truth of the matter is, the one commonality between a Bitcoin and, and the euro or the dollar is neither has intrinsic value, right? One is a paper currency and one's a digital currency, but they don't have any intrinsic value. What would make them function as currency would be if they were backed by gold, by real money, something with intrinsic value. Then it it would, if the dollar or the euro were backed by gold, then they would have value based on the intrinsic value of the gold that was behind them, not any value that the paper had unto itself but they would derive their value from the gold backing. But when you have fiat currencies, you have no backing, then you have nothing. Just like you could have a digital currency backed by gold, which would give the digital currency value, or you can have a fiat digital currency, a digital currency backed by nothing, which is what pretty much all the digital currencies are that are out there. So when he was saying that gold is just like Bitcoin, no, it's the euro that's more like Bitcoin. It's a lot more like Bitcoin than gold, because again, what can you do with your Bitcoin if you can't spend it? Nothing. What can you do with your Euros if you can't spend it? Nothing. What can you do with your gold if you don't spend it? Well, just go to geology.com and look at all those uses. There are all these things that you can do with gold if nobody wants it as a medium of exchange. But because there are so many uses for gold, people will always take it as a medium of exchange, and that's the point. And that's why, uh, central banks held it in reserve, continue to hold it and will continue to hold it because there always will be demand for gold based on all the things that you can do with it other than use it as money. But because it's so convenient as money, it trumps all the other commodities that have other uses, uh, but don't are, are not, do not lend themselves, uh, to, uh, to money. But again, if the Swiss vote this down, Long-term, I think it's even more bullish for gold. Short-run, sure, it would have been bullish for gold had the Swiss voted yes, and it would be bullish for the Swiss franc, and it would be potentially bullish for capitalism and free markets to see at least one country uh, doing the right thing. But if Switzerland basically says, no, we're not going to do the right thing, we're just going to be as reckless and irresponsible as everybody else, then that's one less uh, sound currency and another reason for people to buy gold including the Swiss. Just want to make a couple of uh, points about holiday, you know, Black Friday is upon us, although apparently this year it started on Thursday, right? These uh, merchants are now so desperate to get people in the store spending their borrowed money that they started Black Friday on Thursday. So a lot of people were cutting their Thanksgiving meal short so they can queue up uh, at Best Buy and buy a 50 inch plasma TV for 200 bucks. And of course, you know, all of this stuff was supposedly uh, shopping for Christmas, right? Buying gifts for somebody else. Yet, generally, the shopping season is not about buying stuff for other people, it's about buying stuff for yourself. See, most of these people that are shopping on Black Friday, they're not buying gifts, they're buying things for themselves. They just want to get the best deal. I mean, most people don't give away plasma TV sets uh, as presents. Right? I mean, you, you know, you're giving away, you know, an article of clothing, uh, you're, you're buying that for yourself and it's all about shopping. That's really all about what this Christmas holiday is boiled down to. It's just splurging. Uh, it's, you know, just, uh, uh self-indulgence and, 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 consumption, even if you have to borrow the money, uh, to, uh, to do it right. And the, the way the media covers this <clears throat> They cover the shopping, the spending of money, as if this is indicative of our economy and that the economy is based on how much people spend. We need a good Christmas. We need these shoppers going out because this is what drives the economy. They got it backwards. This is not what's driving the economy. It's what's actually dragging the economy uh, down. What what drives an economy is production, not consumption. I mean, co- consumption is like, you know, picking the, 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 uh, the, the, harvest, right. You, you know, what, what makes a farm productive? Is it when you pick, uh, you know, the harvest, when you, when you, you know, you pick the, the crops, no, it's planting them. It's all the effort that goes into keeping the land fertile and then, and then, and then planting all the crops when they grow. Okay. now you gotta, you know, you go collect your bounty. I mean, sure. There's some effort required in doing that, but maybe it's, you know, eating. What about the eating part? Yeah. Maybe my analogy is wrong. It's not, it's the, you know, because when you eat the food, that's the easy part. That's the fun part. It's everything that went into the production that's the hard part. So when someone goes to Best Buy and buys a plasma TV, that's the easy part. The hard part was putting that plasma TV on the shelf so that somebody could buy it. And there you have to go through all of the effort to produce all the components that went into manufacturing that TV and then the cost of transporting it and putting it on a shelf of that store so that someone in America can drive his highly mortgaged SUV uh to the parking lot and leave uh with that with that television set you know the Americans are doing the easy part it's the it's everything oh, it's the hard part is being done by somebody else and so this is not Economic activity—it's just self-indulgence. And the fact is that a lot of these products are being bought with borrowed money. A lot of it is no payments, no interest uh, until 2016. And where is the money coming to finance this consumption? It's coming from the Fed. It's coming from money printing. It's coming from foreign central banks uh, who are recirculating their trade surpluses and 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 holding the balance in U.S. Treasuries. It is this giant, you know, global Ponzi scheme. That is going to come to an end, but it just always amazes me how people are so fooled into thinking that this is the economy, that this is the american economy it's It's defined by our our shopping and in fact, I'm not even sure how much money a lot of these retailers are actually making they're they're, they're discounting these products so heavily uh, just to get Americans in 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 the door and again, I think a lot of Americans just do most of their shopping for themselves. Uh, you know, around Black Friday to Christmas. They just kind of hold off and then they go in there and they just make, you know, buy all the stuff because they need to wait for the lowest possible price uh, because, you know, that's how broke they are. But again, this also shows you how this deflation stuff is nonsense. Why do people rush the stores on Black Friday? Because everything's on sale. They want to buy because the prices are lower. So it's the reduction of price that stimulates the stampede, right? i you know, they're not raising prices and expecting people to break down the doors. The whole idea behind these door busters is because we are lowering the prices and consumers are busting down the doors to take advantage of the reduction in price, right? Not they're not they're not trying to take advantage of higher prices, they're trying to take advantage of, of lower prices. But again, it's the coverage that really makes me mad. Um and you know, all this stuff. Look at all the things that people are buying for themselves or for other people. It's almost all imported. All this stuff, all this money we're spending is just increasing our trade deficit and increasing our net indebtedness to the rest of the world as more and more U.S. debt ends up in foreign hands because of all the foreign products that are now in Americans' hands because we imported them and had no exports to pay for it and we had to rely on credit because all of this ultimately comes back to bite us. Right? The fact that we're spending a lot of money on Christmas is not strengthening our economy, it is weakening our economy, because the money we borrow to finance this party has to be repaid. Meanwhile, the longer this trade goes on, the more of the real economy continues to disintegrate beneath our feet as we look at this mirage of recovery right, and, and look at all this consumption as if it was legitimate economic growth when it's not.
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real.